0: a a symbol for you to remember the message today and what we're asking you to do all summer long as we head into the summer. Inside this little tin bucket is some soil, and uh, there's some instructions in there, and there are some uh, little bitty seeds, and we're asking you to go home today on Mother's Day, and I know you got places to go and dinners to eat and all of that, but we're asking you sometime today to go ahead and pot these seeds. We're asking you to go ahead, plant them, water them, follow the directions, um, put them in the windowsill, whatever they tell you to do with them. And we're hoping that these things are going to spring forth into life and that you're going to remember, wait a minute, Mother's Day, I planted some seed in this little cup that the church gave me, and that seed is a symbol or it's a picture of the Word of God being implanted Into my heart, and then it growing in my life. I want to reinforce this with a a song. And so now, you old timers and men are gonna you're gonna absolutely hate me, but I want you to just uh, hang with your pastor for just a minute. And so everybody, stand to your feet, right quick. Just empty your hands. Don't make sure there's nothing in them. You you really can't even hold your Bible for this. I'm gonna act like you are holding a Bible in just a minute. Years ago, years ago when I was in student ministry, we had a bunch of kids at camp in North Georgia, and I heard the worship leader sing this song. And it just goes like this. So you do the words uh, with me or the motions with me. It says the word of God. So hold your hands like it's the, the word. The word of God, okay, when I say it, you say it. The word of God all right, is like little bitty seeds scattered all around. The Word of God is like little bitty seeds scattered all around. All right, now watch this. Some in the road. Some in the road. Some in the weeds. But everywhere I look, I see little bitty seeds. The Word of God God. is like little bitty seeds scattered all around. That wasn't that easy. Y'all want to sing it for real? I'm getting getting emboldened up here now. Y'all may be seated. Pick, do you remember that song? Pick, pick, say it. Man, he's went way back. At least I'm not talking about checkers, right? (laughs) And so, um, why would you do that, Pastor? Why would you talk about the Word of God. I'm going to tell you why we are talking about the Word of God this morning like that and trying to do our best to get you to remember this morning. Because the emphasis in this psalm, the longest psalm uh, in all of the psalms, is how vitally important the Word of God is to us as believers and people of faith. We cannot grow spiritually apart from the Word of God. Now, sometimes we try to uh, substitute things for that, church attendance, life group attendance. Uh, sometimes we get involved in different ministries and we think through service or just through uh, corporate worship once a week that we're going to grow spiritually. And while those things can help us grow, those things alone in and of themselves will not grow us like God intends uh, to grow us. It takes the word of God uh, to enable you and I to grow in holiness and to be able to handle the pressures and the persecutions that come when we try to walk obediently in the faith and follow the Lord. This psalm is an acrostic with eight lines in each section, and the successive sections follow the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So when you begin in verse 1, and you see that there is a Hebrew word there that begins with the letter A, what you're going to find is that each section of Psalm 119 follows the Hebrew alphabet. Each have eight lines or stanzas in them, and all of them deal with the Word of the Lord. The author uses eight different words for scriptures or for um, for God's Word, and so you ought to write these down this morning. He uses the word law, and he's not just talking about he's not just talking about the Ten Commandments. But when the word Torah, the the Hebrew word Torah is used, he's referring about uh, the first five books of the Bible. And so at the time that the psalmist was writing, he was thinking about the first five books of the Bible. He was thinking about what he had. That was sort of, at that time, his canon of Scripture at that time. And so he uses the word law. He uses the word testimony. He uses the word precept. He uses the word statute. He uses the word commandment. He uses the word judgment. He uses the word word. And he uses the word promise. All eight of these words or references to the word of God are found in verses 33 through 40. The theme of what we're reading this morning is the practical use of the word of God in the life of the believer to help us grow. And so today I want to speak primarily to our ladies here. But men, I hope that you will write this down. And as your wives, as your moms, as your sisters commit, your daughters commit to being women of the word, men, I hope likewise that you and I will also commit to being men of uh, the word. And so women of the word finish life faithfully as they, number one, study, learn, and teach God's word. Look with me at verses 33 and 34. And notice how women of the word finish life faithfully As they study, learn, and teach God's word. I want you to listen to the psalmist. He says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. And I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Ladies today, if you want to be a woman of the word, a woman who's pleasing unto the Lord. If you want to be the most godly wife, the most godly daughter, the most godly Uh, mom that you can possibly be i want to encourage you to get in the word if you don't have a bible if you'll see me after service we'll get you a bible if you want uh, if you have questions about uh, what are some of the best bibles that i can use that will help me really study the word so i can learn it and i can uh, teach it to my children and teach it to other ladies how in the world can i do that I would love to load your wagon, but for the sake of time and the context of verse 33 and 34, I want you to notice that the psalmist says that we should learn God's word prayerfully. That means as you're studying God's word and reading God's word, you should pray through God's word. You should make it your prayer. God help me to study, learn, and teach your word. You should pray the word of God as you're Uh, working through it, and you should pray about the word of God. Notice the the very first thing the psalmist says. He says, teach me. He says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. And so I want to encourage everyone in this room today, especially you moms, you ladies that are here, uh, designed to be women of the word, pick up God's word and start reading God's word. And as you start reading God's word, I want to encourage you to start praying through God's word. And if you say, Well, as I read it, how do I know what I should pray about? Tracy's going to be teaching on that Tuesday night if the Lord doesn't change her direction. She's going to talk about when you're reading the text, how do you understand what is there that I should be praying over, it? right? What is there there that I should be writing down? What is there there that I should be obeying? She's going to show you how to recognize those things. And so it's really important that we recognize that this is a book, yes, but it's a book like uh, unlike any other book, in the fact that the Bible is the Word of God. This is God speaking to us. If you're thankful that the Lord speaks, say amen. And so God speaks to us, and I want to encourage you to get in the Word and learn God's Word prayerfully. But then he says we should learn God's Word thoughtfully. We meditate on it. Notice what he says. He says, give me, in verse 33, give me understanding." What does that mean when we meditate upon God's Word? It means that we think through God's Word. We're thinking thoughtfully through God's Word. We, we don't just read it and say, okay, what does that mean? Or read it to say, okay, I, I punched that checklist. Or to read it to say to someone else, okay, I did my quiet time. But we read it and we meditate it, uh, meditate through it. This question I get a lot from young believers They'll say this, what one thing did God use more than anything else to grow you? And unequivocally, I would say, getting in God's word. I mean, when I was born again on that Thursday night, I had one Bible that was given to me when I was a, a little bitty kid. It was a, a black King James uh, version. The letters were real small. I think it may have already uh, or still been written in old English. It was, it was hard to read, right? But I jumped in that, and I started reading Uh, The the guy that led me to faith in Christ, I said, I don't know even where to start reading. He said, just start reading in the Gospel of John. So I, I jumped into Gospel of John, not knowing where else to start. And I just started reading. And I'm telling you, though, reading the word and meditating upon it and thinking about it is a tremendous blessing. And if you say, preacher, at 19, when you started reading the word, not having a Christian background, when you came to difficult stuff, what did you do with that? I wrote it down. I wrote that question down, right? Who, who are the Philistines, right? What is Jesus this word? In John 1, is Jesus this word? Why did they kill John the Baptist? I didn't, right, reading that, I had no idea to answer those questions, but here's what I had learned. I had lived in darkness so long, and Jesus had freed me and forgiven me of my sins in such a great way. I knew that I did not want to be complacent about God's word anymore. So I would just write those questions down. There was a local pastor in the town. There was two guys, one that really had invested in me. He was a little bit of a liberal. And what I mean by that is he, he believed parts of God's word, but he didn't believe all of God's word. I'm thankful he believed enough of it to share it with me. And so I would go and ask him some questions, and he would say, I, I really don't know. He said, that could be true, that may not be true. And I just, I just thought, hey, buddy... It's either all true or how do I know Jesus just saved me, right? It's all true or none of it's true, right? right? The, the whole idea of crucifixion and resurrection is out the door if Moses is not parting the Red Sea or God's not parting the Red Sea as, uh, to deliver the Israelites through the rod of Moses. Do you all understand that? We can't pick and choose. And so there was another pastor I go to. He had a shade tree. And I would drive back and forth in front of his house, and when I saw him under that shade tree with that lawn chair, man, I'd whip in there. And he'd say, Shaw, how are you doing? And I'd say, I got some questions, Reverend. And he'd say, what what questions do you have? Man, I'd pull out that paper, that little book, and I'd start reading those questions, and he absolutely loved it. He was a middle-aged guy, and he he needed to be challenged to think a little bit, and so he would do his best to answer those questions and then sometimes he'd say things like this. That's a great question. I'm going to get the answer. He said, you come back tomorrow and we'll we'll discuss it some more. What are you saying, preacher? We learn God's word prayerfully. We learn God's We learn God's word thoughtfully. We meditate on it. We ask God to give us understanding. We seek for understanding. And then we learn God's word systematically. Prayerfully, thoughtfully, and systematically. What does that mean? It means we believe... We build our belief systems. We build doctrine from it. He says that I may keep your law. The Bible is, when it's given to us, it's given to us in a systematic way. What do you mean by that, preacher? I I mean that Jesus, uh, while he's the author, right, the Trinity, the Holy Trinity is the author of the entire word of God. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit to holy men of old, who heard and they wrote as the Holy Spirit led them to do that. Now watch this. The, the word of God is full of different kind of genre, right? You know that word from English class? And so you have some history in there. You have some poetry in there. You have some uh, tremendous uh, narrative uh, in there. You have the New Testament that's written at one period of time. The Old Testament that's written over a pretty uh, long period of time. And you have it presented in different ways. And I'm not talking about chapters and verses. But you do have it presented in books and in letters and in writings and recordings. And so from the very beginning of God starting to reveal himself specifically through his word, I want you to understand that he's presented himself in a very systematic way. When you look at creation and God working in creation... God worked and created in a very systematic way. He says, the Bible says, Moses says in Genesis, this is what God did. Day one, this is what happened. Day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, he rested. And what he's doing is he's presenting God's creative genius to us, building up to that part where he's creating human beings in the image and likeness of the Lord. Why is all of that important? Listen to me, ladies. If you want to be women of the Word, one little verse of devotion in the morning, it's better than nothing, but it'll never establish you in the Word. You'll never have enough biblical understanding to raise faithful children. You'll never be able to do that. You have to jump in headlong into the Word of God. You have to understand it for yourself. And let me just go ahead and say this. And men, I hope every man in this room will affirm this. You should not leave doctrine and systematic theology and uh, real logical study of God's Word to men. Women should dive into God's Word. And all the men said? All the men said? I don't know if women should teach. Uh, If you don't want your wife or your grandma teaching your children the Word of God, and being obedient to scripture as in Titus, teaching older women, teaching younger women. If you do not want women learning the word, you have a warped view and understanding of God's plan of human dignity to begin with. Women are not second class citizens. Someone say amen. Amen. Right? So what does that mean? (laughs) I'm throwing it down on Mother's Day. (laughs) We learn God's word prayerfully, thoughtfully, systematically, and then notice what he says lastly there. We learn God's word continuously. That means we never stop learning God's word. We never stop that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart, with my whole heart. I'm just reading a book that's uh, I'm reading a book that's all about the book of Jonah. So I'm reading about the book of Jonah, about a wayward prophet, and I'm listening and watching reading Tim Keller's commentary on that right now. Why? Because I really want to understand the message of what God was speaking in the book of Jonah. Not so I could stand up and say I understand Jonah, but I can understand God's message to Jonah, how it applies to Randy Shaw. Are are y'all tracking with me? Not at me like this. Folks, we never stop learning. He says to the end that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. I will keep it to the end. And so women of the Word finish life faithfully as they study, learn, and teach God's Word. But here's the second thing. Look at verse 34. Women of the Word finish life faithfully as they obey God's Word. It's one thing to study it, learn it, and teach it. It's another thing to obey it. So the psalmist prays, give me understanding that I may keep, that I may keep your law and observe it. I may keep it, And I may observe it with my whole heart. Ladies, we want to know God's word and obey God's word practically. Not just doctrinally. If you say, I believe God's word and I understand God's word. And if I don't understand it, when I do understand it, I'm going to believe God's word. But in all actuality, you only believe the amount of God's word that you're willing to obey. If you understand that, say, Amen. And so, what does that mean to obey God's word? Well, the psalmist says this in Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. I delight to do your will. We obey God's word like a willing child. We don't obey God's word like a rebellious slave, right? How many of you remember being a kid and you having a, Chore list. Anybody here uh, have a chore list? Raise your hand. How many of you would look at that chore list and think to yourself, oh man, I've got to get these chores done, and you'd start working on those chores. You may do them half-heartedly, you may only do them a little bit, but you wanted to do them enough where you could check that list and say, I've got them done. How many of you uh, would do something like that? You would just rush through that list, right? Sometimes you get a bunch of people together and it's just, let me get through that to-do list. Why? Because I want to be done with this list. Listen to me. That's the way a rebellious slave looks at obedience and seeks to obey. Now watch this. Ladies, if you want to be women of the word, it is vitally, vitally important that you don't look at being obedient to God's word Like it's something that, oh man, I just got to do to get it done. But it's a delight. It's a delight to your heart and to your soul. What do you mean it's a delight to your heart or to your soul? Just like the psalmist said, I delight to do your will. This is not a chore for me. And so we obey God's word willingly. I want to encourage you, ladies. Sometimes we will run into folks who will say things like this. I want to know more of God's Word. I've got some questions. I want to know more of God's Word. But it seems like I can't learn any more of God's Word. Why is that? And normally, the question that I'll pose back is, are you being obedient to the portion of God's Word that you have read and understand? Right? If you've understood this about God's Word, but you're not being obedient to what you understood of God's Word, don't expect the Holy Spirit to just keep opening God's Word to your heart to where you're going to personally grow through that. Disobedience will dam up the word of God in your life and will keep it it will keep it from flowing through you. How many of you understand what I'm just what I'm saying? Don't be disobedient to the word of God as you read it, just simply be committed in your heart, man, I need to obey it. And if you say preacher, that's almost sounding like not the gospel but it's sounding like almost like you're preaching law. What do you do when we can't obey it because everybody's not going to obey the word? Here's what I'm going to say to you about that. Everyone's never going to obey the word until we're with God. As long as we're in this fallen flesh, we're never going to obey the word fully. But the focus should be on obeying the word fully. How do you know that? Because the Bible says, do we continue in sin that grace may abound? And what does Paul say? God forbid we do not continue in sin that grace would abound. So what does that mean? It means be obedient to what you know and when you're not, right? Confess that to the Lord. Confess it to your kids. Confess it to your church. Just say, yeah, I blew that. I just absolutely blew that. And so number two, women of the word, obey God's word. But here's the third thing. Women of the word who finish faithful, Cherish and find delight in God's word. Listen to what he says. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. I I want every lady in this place to say this after I say it. Outlook determines outcome. All right, one more time, maybe two. Outlook determines outcome. Listen to me, sisters. If you're going to be a woman of the word, you must come to a place where you are delighting in God's word over selfish gain and interest. Men, are you out there, men? Are you listening? Are you not just out there, but are you... Fully glued in. If you are, say amen. Amen. Listen to this, men. If we set the pattern for our wives that selfish interests and selfish gains elevate over the Word of God, or if we set the example that we choose to pursue worthless things over the Word of God, we are not setting the proper example for our wives. Now watch this. And as a husband and wife, we cannot set the proper example for our children. What is he saying here? He says, for I delight in it. Lead me in the path of your commandments because I'm finding my delight in your word. And then he says, incline my heart to your word, to your testimonies, and not to selfish gain. And then he follows up by saying, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. We delight in God's word over selfish gain and selfish interests. We delight in God's word over worthless things. We delight in God's word knowing it's the original good life. How many of you remember several years ago when all those good life uh, t-shirts were coming out and they had them on the stickers on the back of cars and it just said good life. And if I'm not mistaken, I was thinking it maybe some sort of stick figure or something, but it always said good life. How many of you remember the good life? If you really want to know the good life, you're going to learn the good life by knowing God's word. And you cannot, you cannot elevate selfish interests over the word of God or worthless pursuits. Man, the older I get, I'm just finding uh, worthless pursuits are just vanity. Oh, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, all is vanities, vanity of vanities, right? Let me encourage you today, men and women, pursue God and His Word more than anything else in this life. And what a blessing it will be to you. I had to run out of town. Levi was heading up to Chicago to work for a week. And my brother was supposed to take care of him, house him, and, and going to take care of him. But he had to have some emergency surgery on Wednesday. So when I talked to him Wednesday night, he wasn't doing well. And when I heard about the kind of surgery it was, I knew he really wasn't doing well. And so Tracy said, why don't you go up with Levi, show him where he's going to be working. He has to navigate some tough neighborhoods and show him where he's going and then visit with your brother for a couple days. So I did that. I drove up Thursday, flew home yesterday. I wouldn't miss Mother's Day, Day. Kate and all these babies, somebody say Amen. My brother was pretty much confined uh, to the recliner. He would come down, uh, make one trip down and one trip up a day. And my brother's starting to get uh, some age on him. And so my brother's 64. And uh, things, things are just out of control in this world. How many of you realize that? Raise your hand high. So my, my brother's a lost guy. And he and my sister-in-law are sitting there in the basement It's uh, Friday, and uh, he was in no shape to go see a Cubs game. I was tempted to go see a Cubs game and leave my sick brother at home, uh, but I didn't do that. I I ran to the hot dog stand, and I got he and my sister and myself some Chicago dogs. I brought them back, and the Cubs game was on. So we just sat uh, in his basement at the recliner, and we were uh, watching the Cubs game. And he turned it down, and he said, what's your take on all this abortion stuff that's going on? And I said, I'll give you my take, but my take is just really biased heavily from the Bible. And he said, well, I knew it would be. I I, I knew it would be. Now, let me tell you what's happened that's got him thinking about that. His uh, daughter-in-law is expecting and so she's going to be given birth sometime, Lord willing, this fall. And he's looking at being a grandpa. And they're just my sister-in-law and my brother are just different places. So I started talking about abortion is wrong for multiple reasons, but mainly because uh, it's a gift of life. Babies are created in the image and likeness of God. And abortion at any time, at any time, is wrong. And uh, if you're hearing you've had an abortion, I'm not shaming you at all. There's forgiveness to be had and mercy to be had. But he said, I was watching uh, that thing on Times Square when they did that live ultrasound. He said, did you see that? I said, I did see that. I said, wasn't that really cool? And he said, it just began, I just began to think, what's wrong with people that are just willing to kill little babies in their womb. And then my sister-in-law piped up and said, did you see the senator in Alabama who was talking about, might as well kill them now because you're killing them later by sending them to the electric chair talking about human beings. And so I was able to talk to them about Genesis 1 and 2. I was able to talk to them about Psalm 139. And I was able to talk to my brother and say, you feel horrible right now, and your life is feeling really compromised. But big brother, um, you were fearfully and wonderfully made, just like these babies that you now have a concern for. I know that. Geez, Rand, you think I'm stupid? (laughs) I know that. I'd already sent him on Wednesday praying for you, praying for complete healing that this thing goes right. And so, what are you saying? Here's what I am saying to you. Get in God's word. Study it. Live it. Obey it. Share it. Delight in it. And you're going to know the good life. You're going to know the good life no matter what comes your way. Two more thoughts and I've got to quit. I'd like to keep y'all all afternoon I know y'all are saying, Lord, no, help us. 38 and 39, verse 38 and 39. Trust God's word and fear God more than anything else. Women of the word, they just trust God's word and fear God more than anything else. Confirm to your servant, confirm, so confirmation of your word to your servant, your promise. That you may be feared. That means that you may be, that I may stand in all of you. That I may respect you and your view of me and what your word says about me more than I fear uh, anyone else. You know he's saying that because he says, turn away the reproach that I dread for your rules are good. He's making reference to his enemies there. So he says, the reproach that I dread, he's saying, I I need to fear you and be in awe of you. and, And your word needs to be more important to the way that I think and the way that I behave more than anything else in life. And then in verse 40, he says, Behold, I long for your precepts, and your righteousness give me life. Women of the Word not only trust God's Word and fear God more than anything else, but women of the Word yearn, desire, and long for God's Word. I long for your precepts, in your righteousness give me life. Ladies, do you do that today? Men, do you do that? Do you long for the word more than anything else? You got your eye on that house, that car, that career, and it just sort of pushes God and his word way, way back. I want to encourage you to ask God and make this your prayer. Lord, give me a hunger and a thirst and a desire, a longing for your word. I want you to stand to your feet and I want to tell you why that's so important as we close today. Will you do that? Stand to your feet. Why is it so important that the psalmist would end this psalm? He's got eight lines and he finishes that portion of the psalm by saying behold I long for your precepts in your righteousness give me life how many of you have found that when you pursue things that are just ends up being worthless or things that are full of selfish gain there's always something wrong with that how many of you found I pursue things in life only to apprehend them and then only to find what I apprehended was not what I really longed for. How many of you raise your hand? You guys that have been with me for a long time, concerning automobiles, what have I said? I've always wanted. You guys remember? Any, what, Mike? F 150. F 250. I would settle for an F 150. Yeah. I did, I settled for a rebuilt. Ford F-150 that had 132,000 miles on it. It was $10,000. And I had this harebrained idea. I'm going to sell Tracy's van if she allows me to. And I'm going to downsize and buy this F-150. And because it's tore up, I'm going to get parts. And I'm going to rapture it out and make it look like a $70,000 Ford F-150. And I did that. The guy that was fixing it, he already had the wheels and tires on it. He already had put headlights and taillights in that thing. And he finally got the thing all done. And Jacob and I went and picked it up. And we we brought it home. And, man, now we're proud owners of this Ford F-150. And we thought, we're we're just going to go ahead and pretend like it's the real thing. So we took the 4x4 sticker off of it. We put the Raptor stickers on it. Bought them off eBay, $29.99. And we put them Raptor stickers on there. Somebody here in the church really has a Raptor F-150. I forget where I was at. The other day he was there and I just pulled up right next to him. Right? <laughs> I did not know. I did not know that when you drove a truck like that, that all these little kids in these other trucks that have bad things hanging from them. These guys are going to blow their horn at you, and they're going to blow diesel smoke at you. One of the first nights we go to get dinner, here comes this little Mustang. Was it a Mustang? Two kids come up in a Mustang. They're looking at me. And so we were at a stoplight. And Tracy's saying, don't you do it. Don't you do it. And I'm thinking, this thing's got a turbo in it. 3.5 V6 turbo. Twin turbo. I'm not going to tell you what I did, and I'm going to tell every kid in here, you should never drag race. All the parents say, amen. Amen. All you men should say, you you should admit, you should never drag race. And so, what are you telling me that for? I've been telling y'all for 15 years that if I ever came into big money, I was going to get a Ford F-150. Well, I got it. It's... A little bit of a different type of Ford F 150, but it's a Ford F 150. Now, let me tell you about that F 150. The guy put tires on it and wheels, it gets 11 miles to the gallon. <laughs> 11 miles to the gallon. I went to have the tires changed so I get these smooth tires instead of these mud tires, because everybody's saying you're going to gain three, four, five miles a gallon if you get regular tires on that. I go to get tires for that. $1,500 for tires. I did not get them. I did not get them. And so we don't drive it a lot because it's just like. <laughs> what are you saying, preacher? Listen to me as we close today. Listen to me. Is that not what we do with most things in life? We set our eye on something, we look at an outcome, right? or or we we look at an outlook, we've got this certain outlook, and if we're not careful, if we look at the wrong thing too long, our outcome's going to be wrong. And watch this. We're going to compromise and put a lot of vain things in front of the Word. I want to say to every one of you moms on Mother's Day 2019, all you ladies, all you men, don't make that fatal compromise here's the great news about today's message. If you're here and you're like me and think, man, I I need to be in the Word more. I need to dig deeper, not just to prepare sermons, but I just need to dig deeper. I want to encourage you today and let you know it's not too late to start. You can jump in God's Word today. Amen? Let's pray and make that our prayer. I'm going to give away these Bibles and these flower pots. Tracy, if you'll come help me. And Lori, if you'll come help me, and if you've got ladies that are going to help get this stuff to the people, I want to do that. Father, will you help us to be men and women of your word? Oh, God, help us to study it and to obey it and to delight in it. God, help us to learn your word and to fear your word, to revere your word more than we do anything else. God, I pray that you would help us, uh, Lord, to long for your word, to desire your word. God, will you let today be a real launching point for our faith family as we head into summer. God, will you make us men and women of the word? I know we've talked direct to our moms today and our ladies, and, and we've got Titus Tuesday coming, and then the the ladies' Bible studies this summer. But Lord, I pray that every believer's heart in this room would say, I want to study God's word more because I want to know his character better. And I pray, God, for everyone that is not a believer, that you would say, you would convict them and lead them so that they may say, I believe God's word. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe he arose on the third day. And I want to surrender my life to Christ. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray that, Lord, your word would accomplish its task. And so, God, thank you for these men and women who've come to worship you today. Thank you for being here. And, God, I pray that we will take your word and we will apply it. And I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. And you all said, Amen.